The Football Manager Files, a Muddy Knees media production for Sports Interactive. Part 5, The Match. When you're waiting in the morning and it's not a nice feeling because you've got that bit of apprehension and it's different this side of it. Players, I had a bit of butterflies but it was more motivation because I can't wait for the game and it's great but because I'm playing in the game, it's kind of more apprehension of okay, has everything gone right this week? Are they going to take this out onto the pitch and deliver this, what we've said to them and prepared? And, and it's more that apprehension. So I just want to cut the morning out and get to the meeting and deliver what I need to deliver and then get on with the game. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh. So far on the Football Manager Files, we've covered the appointment of a football manager, the importance of man management, recruitment, and how tactics are, you know, made. Well, in this part, we're going to be talking about the match itself. What's it like out there on the touchline? How much can you actually control? What do you say at half-time? And how long does it take you to get over it and enjoy your Saturday night? But first of all, how do you feel on the morning of the game? Here's Alex McLeish. I tend to kind of have creatures of habit type things, you know, like um, you would go the same road, for instance, driving into to the stadium or something. Right, I went that road last week, so... I wore the blue socks last week, I'll wear them this week again. You know, they, it was a good victory. 14 games in a row at Birmingham, we went undefeated and yeah, the wife wasn't too happy with the dirty laundry. Stuart Pearce. I used to at Manchester City, my, my day on, on match day for Manchester City when I was a younger man, I used to go in uh, to training the morning of the game if we were at home. The young players and maybe one or two players that were injured or in the first team that weren't in the first team squad would train that day. I would train with them. They see your face when they're not involved in the team, so they know you've got an interest in them, so it serves that purpose. Also as well, it burns off a bit of that frustration from my point of view, I think. And then go to the ground. The worst part of it at the ground is is that wait from probably 20 past two when the players go out to kick-off time. It, it, it's an horrendous time for any manager and you just try to occupy your time as best you can Quite often you're sat in the dressing room with just the physio to have a chat with and and I've still not found... I'm going to do an open university course in those 40 minutes that I'm waiting for kick-off, I think, you know. Something constructive has to be done in that time, but it's it's torture. It's, it's waiting in the dentist chair, you name it. It's Everything's been done and you're just waiting for the whole scenario to kick off and you're waiting for the result at the end of the day to dictate how well or badly you'll be perceived. Slavon Bilic. You feel different on a match day, of course you do, because you you want them to be, of course, up for it, but you also want them to see you motivated and everything, but you, you also want them to see you calm, because they are shaky, it depends. They're all individuals, you know what I mean? They are looking for someone who is like, who is calm. So sometimes even when you're not calm, you know, you have to pretend you're calm. It depends. It's, it's more or less, uh, depends on the situation. But, uh, okay, there is a saying that in football, uh, you are totally in control in trainings and in a game, it's out of your hand, you know. Okay, football is because of the size of the pitch and because uh, they're so far away from you and because there's no timeouts like in basketball or handball or whatever and there's no changes like in basketball or handball or whatever, your actions are restricted. Okay, yes, they are, but then during, still during the game, you can affect the game. You can affect it. Yeah. 
Gary Monk. You try and switch off. I've tried to do it. Um, home games are like in the early in the morning. I try and take my kids for a walk or something, or take them out on the bikes or something like that, just to try and switch up. But you can't. You still got it in the back of your mind. Alex McLeish. There's always things come to me last minute, you know, and it's more fine detail things. You know, like following in our own goalkeeper because normally you'll see a striker following in and a rebound, and he's first to the ball because strikers react that way, but. You'd say to the defenders, look, the shot goes in, you've got to be in before the striker comes in. And, and all these little fine details come out when you're in the throes of like 15 minutes to go and things. Here's Gary Monk. Before a game, we always try and think of every scenario that we could possibly face. You know, We have a man sent off, we, have a, we score first, they score second, they make this subs. We're trying to judge when the team sheets come in, what kind of subs they could make. Is this game going for them or not? What we could do to react to that? So we try and preempt all that. That goes on through the week, and then when the game comes, um, my assistant Peel watch the opposition specifically to see if there's any trends in what they're doing. If there's anything that's changed to what we thought, say like their left hand side is, is where they're attacking the most. You know those type of trends. We'll, we'll have a look at it, um, see if there's anything different to what we prepare for, and then if anything's happening in the game. Obviously, my goalkeeper will assess their goalkeeper. Um, if he's changed anything from his distribution or anything like that, or they're looking for a certain thing. Um, of course, I look at the game from both sides, but I generally be looking at the feel of the game for the players, and of course, tactically as well, of what I think. But generally, you're, I'm trying to get a feel for where my players are at and what they're looking at, and, and if they're delivering what we prepared. Stuart Pearce. You have to have a set of eyes on the opposition. You're near enough, you get transfixed on your own team, and that should take care of itself more so you should be transfixed on the opposition and how they play yes you look for the lineups of the opposition but you almost need a set of eyes looking at your team a set of eyes looking at the opposition and those two individuals feeding back into you as a manager because you get caught up with things on the touchline things that are probably in many ways irrelevant and the best managers in the world see problems before they happen they make substitutions in the first half. They change tactically because they know if they keep doing what they're doing to the game plan, it's going to end in disaster. Alex McLeish. You kind of have a you know a plan about the way the opposition are going to play and then sometimes you'll see, oh, wait a minute, it looks as if they've lined up differently. So how do we adjust and uh, how do you get the message on immediately or as quick as you can? Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. It's up to the gods. No, no, I mean, then it's up to the players, isn't it? Then it's up to the players. You, you only look at the match and you try to read the match and you try to adjust it, you try to communicate, but then you need to trust, you need to trust the players and give them the freedom to perform, the freedom to express themselves. They need to express themselves. At the end of the day, they need to be able to try to enjoy themselves. It's football. You know, express, enjoy and, and try to win the game. Managing a football team is hard, especially with so much scrutiny and pressure nowadays. But imagine doing it while thousands of people are stood behind you calling you the bad word. Can it be blocked out or does it get through and hurt? We're human beings, you know. Stuart Pierce. But you've got to understand that you've got to have a confidence in your own ability in many ways, you know. And I think mental strength is something that that probably when you're, when you're in the, the media spotlight, when you're in the industry of football management, that you, you get stronger with, you get used to, you almost get immune to it in, in many ways. And you know full well that, you know, the more the game evolves, the more spotlight and scrutiny is under managers. But 
you've got to back your own ability and, and you've got to take positives from probably other managers as well that have, have managed brilliantly in the game and pick up lessons from them. Alex McLeish. Normally, when it's a huge crowd and you're in a big stadium, you tend not to hear individual shouts. Some guys behind your dugout, maybe one or two things, but in general, when it's a huge crowd, then it's more collective. You don't want the whole 50,000 fans um, booing you right enough. How on earth do managers get through all of this without losing their temper? You have to manage yourself as well as managing your football club and players. You have to manage yourself. Chris Powell. Everything you do is, is scrutinised and when it comes off, it's a good decision. I could do exactly the same the next week. It doesn't come off, it's a bad decision. Rough with the smooth, you know it's there. But actually, I don't mind that. You know, and I would say to you, the other 91 managers are the same. We know that uh, it can go for you one Saturday. A few days later, midweek, it doesn't go for you. But what you've got to do is recognise that um, that's how football is. You know that it can go really well for you. Don't go overboard. Just carry on the same. And then when the pressure's on, carry yourself the same. Here's Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Well, it's quite, quite easy. I, I'm, I'm quite closed. When we score, it's not that like I'm jumping and, and, and all that kind of stuff. When we get a goal against, it's also the same. You know, I try to stay level-headed. Sometimes I think I need to celebrate a little bit more, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the next step. If we have scored, the next thing to do, you know, that's what I'm thinking of. That's why I'm, I might not celebrate or whatever, because I'm thinking 20 minutes to go, one nil up, okay, what do I have? Do I need to change it? Do I not? Let me communicate with the midfielders, with the centre-halves, you know, make sure this five minutes we do this, this, this. In a way, I don't really have time to celebrate. It's thinking about the next thing. Stuart Pearce. I think the emotions are only ever brought on yourself in many ways. And, and a great leveller for me is always stripping it down to bare facts. What's the worst can happen? We get beat. What's the worst can happen? You lose your job. It's no old chip, is it? Let's be honest with you. you, know, you so if you strip it down and say, right, it just strips the pressures of the job away. And you've got to understand as well... In a whole stadium, including the boardroom, the ones with the most mental strength are the ones standing in the technical area. I guarantee that every football club, because they have to deal with everything that goes on around them. When you know you're the strongest one mentally in that stadium, it gives you a feel-good factor. You're passionate about it, aren't you? Gary Monk. My, my whole thing is I just want those guys on the pitch and, and all of them to do so well. You know, It's not really about me, it's about them. I want them to succeed and do really well. And... And um, yeah, when you're on that sideline, I honestly do. I do try and keep as balanced as possible. And having spoke to players in the past, I think when you're a player on the pitch and you look to the sidelines, you want to see someone that is in control, you know. And you feel a bit of comfort from that. That okay, this guy's got it under control, and he's given us clear information of what we might need to do better or, or what we're doing really well. Keep doing it. And I just think you know players respond to that a lot better than me running up and down and jumping up and down screaming and shouting at them and they just need clear information that's how I look at it so I try and keep balance but of course I'm a passionate guy when certain things happen you have to you feel that involvement and I think that's good as well to see you know I think players like to see that but I think most of all they like to see someone that's in control and and helping them of course the first chance a manager has to make a real impact on his misfiring team is at half time but do people still really chuck teacups around? Alex McLeish. Yeah, I've seen 
a couple of managers doing that. But um, yeah, I've kicked things or punched things. Or I've lost the plot with the players at some stages when I felt that they, they needed it. Yeah. Um, at Villa, we, for instance, we were 2 0 down at half time against Queen's Park Rangers, I think. And I absolutely hammered them at half time because I was taking every, all the all the hits, you know, from Villa fans. I was protecting them, the players, every week, and and then I thought, well, wait a minute, I'm, I can't take every bit of criticism. This is just not acceptable. And then at half time, two 0 down in the second half, they were brilliant. It was two each. We should have scored about another four or five goals. Most managers will try to use the time constructively. I often caught opinion of my coaching staff. Stuart Pearce. I would always do that at half-time. I'm, I'm a, a great believer and I'm, I'm the sort, if ever I'm going to make a decision, I never shoot off at the hip and make a decision unless I'm on a time scale. I'd always caught opinion from those around me to get a different balanced view. I found out over time that my gut feeling isn't always the right thing to do and I'm a bit gun-ho, let's say. That can be levelled at me by individuals that work with me. So to get a, a levelled opinion is always the best way forward for me if I've got time availability. So at half-time normally involves a coach that sat in the stand coming down and giving an opinion, myself uh, and probably two others, maybe the goalkeeping coach, um, just to, to gather opinion collectively amongst ourselves, bullet that down to two or three points accessible for the players to take in and then deliver it to the players after they've had 10 minutes to sit down. I can't think of a better way to do it. I've seen managers try to talk to the players as soon as they walk through the door. You can't do that. They're so caught up in the game that the message doesn't get through. So they need 10 minutes calm just to settle down, let the physios look at them, make sure there's no injury, no changes. And then from there... You deliver what you have to deliver. Once you as a manager need to settle down as well. Once once you've got those 15 minutes, you have to use them to calm yourself down in many ways. When it's all over, when the game is won or lost or drawn, how easy is it to move on? Do you sit there living the game all over again? Or is it possible to just switch off? Slavon Village. I would love to switch off. I don't like it. I don't like it. That's my private life depends on my the results or mood here especially because I, I'm in a situation with at home only my wife knows that I am manager you know my dogs don't know they don't know my two little daughters now that are with us all the time they're also too young so they're expecting you home to be happy now that so uh, I don't switch off I don't switch off even when you have three weeks off, four weeks off, like in the summer, I don't switch off, but it doesn't mean that I am under stress. I'm actually enjoying it, think about it and all that, but it doesn't, but it doesn't mean that I think about this 24-7. 24-7, it is somewhere there, it is there. It is always there. It's impossible to switch off, but, but then there's no point of switching off. And I don't think that any... Any, anyone can switch off in a proper way. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. That is something that I, I need to get better at, the switching off, especially when we have lost. Luckily, I've got the girls because they have no clue. They just want to play with daddy or, or whatever, you know. But I'll sleep a little bit less. If we have played bad and we have lost, I, I'll sleep a little bit less. If we have played well and we have lost, then I'm okay. I'm okay. And my wife sees that a lot. I do have moments, losing or not, 
when I'm home that I'm quiet. I'm not away with the fairies. I'm thinking, you know? And she sees that. I don't notice it. She sees it. She's like, where are you now? But that is something that I need to get better at. Gary Monk. I'm still working on that. I'm much better now than I was in my previous job. So I guess that, that will come with experience and more time. But I already feel better at that. But of course, you do take everything personally. You do have pride in what you do and, and how you work. And yeah, it's hard to take when you've prepared as best you can. It hasn't quite worked or certain elements have gone against you. But again, it's keeping balanced and understanding that this is football and this is what happens. As long as you give your all and your best and you deliver what you feel is the best preparation to the group, then you have you can live with that, you know, you can sleep better with it. In the next part of the Football Manager Files, we look at the end. What happens when it all goes wrong? How does it feel when the crowd turns on you? And what's it like to get sacked? That should be a cheerful one. Find it right here. The Football Manager Files is a Muddy Knees Media production for Sports Interactive. It was written and presented by Ian McIntosh and produced by Ben Green. Additional reporting was by Alison Bender, Georgie Bingham, Michael Cox and Miguel Delaney. For more information, go to footballmanager.com. Listener.